We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. Declare this to the northern kingdom and say, look what God says to them. Return, backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. This is God's heart. This is God's heart. Return to me. I'm not angry with you. I'm merciful. I'll be merciful to you. That's his heart towards the backslider. God is a merciful God that longs for his children to live for him. He is faithful to forgive you if your heart is truly repentant and you simply ask. Today, Pastor Dan will take you to the book of Jeremiah to examine the state of the hearts of the people of Judah and how rampant idolatry was among them. Despite blatantly turning their backs on God, he still offered to be merciful to them again and forgive them of their sins if they would only repent of it and turn their focus back on him. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Look at verse 2. The Lord says, Lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see, where have you not lain with men? By the road you have sat for them like an Arabian in the wilderness, and you have polluted the land with your harlotries and your wickedness. God says, Look around the land. I can't find one place where you have not lain with men. We've not committed spiritual adultery. They had filled all the high places and all the hills and all the groves with places of worship to worship these idols. And so God says, look around. Where have you not lain with men? And this word lain that God uses here, it's a very interesting word because it's a very obscene word. It's a very vulgar word that's used here in this passage. Uh, in fact, um, in synagogues today, when this passage is read aloud to the congregation, rabbis often just change this word to a different, softer word because they don't want to say that word out loud to the congregation. So you can imagine what the English equivalent of this word would be. And that's what he's saying. This is a jealous husband confronting his wife about her adultery. And he doesn't sugarcoat it. He's very blunt with her about what she's done. And so he says again, he says in verse 2, by the road you have sat for them. 
like an Arabian in the wilderness. She's just out sitting by the roadside, offering herself to anyone who comes along, offering herself to any God that passes by. You think about this. She has forsaken the perfect husband. She has forsaken the perfect husband. And now she is offering herself to anyone that comes along by her. God says, you have polluted the land with your harlotries. He's talking about moral pollution here. And you know, there's been a lot of talk in the news the last couple of weeks about the environment uh, with the introduction of the new Green Deal and Congress. Right. There's a lot of concern right now about the condition of the planet. And there's a sense, at least among some people in Congress, that, that you know, dramatic steps need to be taken to save the planet before it's too late. And they're concerned with environmental pollution. But you don't ever hear anyone talk about moral pollution. And the effect of moral pollution in the world. And the urgency to do something about the moral pollution. That's affecting our culture. Here God is talking about the moral pollution. That they have brought upon the land. Look what he says in verse 3. He says. Therefore, the showers have been withheld and there has been no latter rain. God has withheld the rain from the land. Deuteronomy chapter 11, if you're taking notes and elsewhere, Leviticus 26 and other passages, God talks about the rain on the land of Israel and how he will withhold the rain from the land of Israel If they rebel against him, he'll send a drought onto the land as a consequence of the rebellion and their disobedience. And so he says here, I've withheld the rain, the latter rain. Latter rain would come right before harvest time. The irony here with this is the children of Israel abandoned Jehovah and began worshiping other gods. In particular, they began worshiping Baal, who they believed was the God of rain that would send rain upon their crops and cause their crops to grow and cause them to have an abundant harvest. And once they started worshiping Baal, the God of rain, what did Jehovah do? He sent a drought to the land. He dried up the skies, caused no rain to fall, to show them that Baal is not the God of rain, that they're worshiping a false God. They can't do anything for them. And the really crazy thing is, They still continue to worship Baal, even though he failed to bring them rain like they thought. You would think that they would say, well, it's no use worshiping Baal. He's supposed to give us rain. We've had a drought for three years. We should worship some other God. But they didn't. They continued to worship these gods that they thought would bring them rain, even though they had a drought. He goes on in verse 3 to say, you have had a harlot's Forehead, you refuse to be ashamed. The idea there is you dress like a harlot. You have no shame. They didn't uh, hide their sin. They didn't try to keep it secret. They did it out in the open. They flaunted their sin publicly. Now, verse 4, God tells Judah what they should do. Verse 4, will you not from this time cry to me? My father, you are the guide of my youth. He tells them here that they they should instead cry to him. My father, you are the guide of my youth. The guide of my youth 
was one of the ways that a wife would describe her husband. They would marry young, uh, and she would describe her husband as the guide of her youth or the companion of her youth. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 17 talks about the immoral woman who forsakes the companion of her youth and the covenant with her God, right? She forsakes her husband. It's the idea. And in verse 4, God's saying, you should be calling on me. I'm your husband. But instead, look at verse 5. Instead, the people were saying, will he remain angry forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, you have spoken and done evil things as you were able. The people of Judah were saying of God, oh, he won't remain angry forever. He's not going to hold this against us. Have you ever heard a wife say something like that about her husband? Uh, usually kind of disrespectfully. So, oh, oh, he's mad, but he's not going to be mad for long. Oh, he'll get over it. Oh, he won't hold it against me. Don't worry about him. Oh, he's all talk. That's, that's kind of what they're saying here about God. You know, he says he's going to punish us for our rebellion, but he's, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do anything. He's angry. He says he's angry, but he's not really angry. And so they just continued on doing evil and just sort of dismissing what God was saying. And so now, beginning in verse 6, what God does is God reminds Judah of what happened to the northern kingdom of Israel. Judah's sister. The northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed by the Assyrians about a hundred years before this. And they were destroyed because they abandoned Jehovah and started worshiping idols. And God warned them over and over, and they dismissed God's warning, and so God punished them and judged them. And so now what God does again, he reminds Judah of what happened to Israel. Look at verse 6. The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. They would worship their idols outside on the mountaintops in forests and groves. And here the Lord says to Judah, Judah, the northern kingdom did exactly what you're doing. And he goes on in verse 7. And I said, after she has done all these things, return to me. Judah, I pleaded with you, the northern kingdom, with Israel, after they did all of these things that you're also doing, I pleaded with them and asked them to return to me to come back to me, just like I'm pleading with you to return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister, Judah, saw it. Judah, you saw what happened to Israel. You saw what happened to Israel. Then I saw for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Judah, you saw how God warned Israel, how God invited Israel to return to him, and how she refused to return, and you saw how God judged Israel. And Judah, what happened to Israel shows you that there's no future in backsliding. There's no future in idolatry. There's no future in abandoning God. And you would think, after seeing what happened to Israel, the northern kingdom, 
that Judah would say, we sure don't want to backslide. We sure don't want to abandon God. We see what happens. We see where it leads. But they didn't. And so God says again to them, yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. You know, uh, someone has said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Judah expected a different result. They did the same thing that the northern kingdom did, that they were judged for. And now Judah is thinking, well, God's not going to do that to us. God's not going to hold this against us. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. They would make statues out of stones and trees, out of wood. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. Judah has only pretended to be sorry for her idolatry. She hasn't turned with her whole heart. Then the Lord said to me, look at verse 11. Backsliding Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Judah, I judged Israel. I judged the northern kingdom for their idolatry and their rebellion. And Judah, Israel is more righteous than you are. (laughs) That's quite a statement that God is making to Judah. Israel is more righteous. The northern kingdom is more righteous than you. You know, uh, you think about it, Israel, the northern kingdom... They didn't have an example of what would happen to a nation that abandoned God like Judah had. Uh, Plus, when Israel, when there was the split between the kingdom after King Solomon under Jeroboam and Rehoboam, the kingdom splits in two. The northern kingdom of Israel immediately goes into idolatry. They had no godly kings in the northern kingdom. They didn't even try to fake it in the northern kingdom. They were 100% you know, abandoning God and going after idols. There's no question where they stood in the northern kingdom with their idolatry and their attitude towards Jehovah. In the southern kingdom, southern kingdom, they had some good kings. They had some godly kings mixed in with bad kings. Uh, They had Jerusalem. They had the temple. They still had worship going on, even though it was just this you know, religious exercise. It wasn't very meaningful for people, but they were still going to the temple. They were still making the sacrifices and the worship and all of that and the prayers. They were still kind of going through the motions, right? It was just all uh, hypocrisy, you know? And God says, the northern kingdom is more righteous than you because they at least were black and white. They didn't have this hypocrisy stuff going on that the southern kingdom had. 
this outward phoniness, this outward, you know, appearance of a relationship with God when really their hearts are given over to other gods. So they're more righteous than you, he says. He goes on here in verse 12 and says, Go and proclaim these words toward the north. He tells Jeremiah, who's in the southern kingdom of Judah, go declare these words toward the northern kingdom. Now, the northern kingdom at this point, again, they've been carried away into captivity. They're in Assyria. All of their cities are destroyed. There's only a small number of people still living in the northern kingdom of the original uh, Israelites. Most of them were carried away as slaves to Assyria. And here he says, go declare this to the northern kingdom and say, look what God says to them. Return backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. This is God's heart. This is God's heart. Return to me. I'm not angry with you. I'm merciful. I'll be merciful to you. That's his heart towards the backslider. That's his heart towards the backslider. Now, what does it mean when he says backsliding Israel? What does backsliding mean? Backsliding means to return to your old sinful behavior. Or to return back to your old habits. To return back to your old activities. And backsliding for most Christians, it's a slow drifting away from God and a slow drifting into your old life. For most Christians, it's not this sudden, I'm going back, I'm done with this. It's just this slow drift, this kind of slow cooling off towards God and a slow wandering back into your old life and your old habits. And the people of Judah, they were backslidden And yet again, they're still going to the temple. They're still doing the religious activities. Remember in Isaiah, the Lord says, these people honor me with their mouths and their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, they still had this outward religious thing going on, but they were backslidden. They were going back to their old habits. Again, it's a slow drift away from God. And here we see God saying to the backslider, return to me. Come home to me and I'll be merciful towards you. I'm not angry with you. You God's not waiting for them to return so he can just unleash his wrath on them. I think sometimes that's what people think. That God's just hes so angry with me for what I've done. For going back to my old life. Going back to my old sin again. He's angry with me. He's disappointed in me. That's not what you see here. You see a God pleading with the backslider to come back. And he say, I'm not angry. I'm merciful. You know, think of the father of the prodigal son. What did the father do? He just watches and he's waiting for his son to come back so that he can restore his son and receive him back into the family. You know, and the son is so worried about what he's going to say to his father when he sees him and making his case to the father. And the son has just kind of this, this low hope that maybe he'll let me just be a servant in his house. And before the son can even finish his apology to the father, the father embraces him, receives him, puts shoes on his feet, a ring on his finger, a robe around him, calls him my son and brings him back into the home. 
That's our father. That's his heart towards us. He's not angry. He wants us to come back. He wants to forgive us. He wants to show us mercy. Look at verse 13. He says, only, that word only there, is the Lord saying, this is the only thing you have to do. Return to me, and this is the only thing I require of you. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. The Lord here says, this is the only thing I want you to do. This is the only thing I require of you. When you come back to me, the only thing I ask is that you acknowledge your iniquity. That's it. The New Testament says, confess your sins. That's it. That's all that he's asking of us. You know, to the backslider, to the prodigal, to the person who's drifted away from God. He says, you can come back. I want you to come back. Come home. Return to me. And when you return to me, the only thing I'm asking of you, just acknowledge your iniquity. Just confess your sins. The word confess, it literally means to speak the same thing or to agree with. And when God asks us to confess our sins, what he's asking us is to agree with him about our sins. To say the same thing about our sins that he says about our sins. Meaning we don't try to justify what we did. We don't make excuses for what we did. We don't try to explain away what we did. We don't blame other people for what we did. We just call it sin because that's what he calls it. That's confession. Yeah, you, you, God, you're, I shouldn't have done this. It's wrong. Forgive me. That's it. I'm not making excuses. I'm not trying to justify my behavior. I'm not pointing the finger at other people. I'm not saying, well, if they wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. No, it was wrong. It was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Please forgive me. That's confession. And here the Lord says, the only thing I want, the only thing I ask is that when you come back, you just acknowledge your iniquity. You just agree with me that it was sin. It was wrong for you. You know, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Purge us of all of our unrighteousness. He not only forgives us, but then by his Holy Spirit and through the washing of the water of the word, he cleanses us. He gets the poison out. You know, he removes the sin from our lives. Again, he pleads in verse 14, return, O backsliding children. So now he's speaking to both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Return, my backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. That's something. God's saying, we're married. You're my wife. I'm your husband. Come back. He's still committed to the relationship. He's still committed to the covenant that he made to his wife and with his wife. We're married. I'm your husband. You know, it, it would be like us saying to our spouse, hey, we're married. Yeah, I said, I stood before God and our family and friends, and I pledged to you my love and my commitment in good times and bad, rich or poor, sickness, health. I'm here. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still in this thing. That's the case that God's making here with Israel. We're married. I'm still married. I'm still in this. He asked me how I know and I said, 
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Dan, we invite you to visit our website, calvaryec.com. There you'll have access to our library of previous messages available to listen to online or download to take with you on the go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Each time we post a new teaching, you'll get a notification and be able to listen right away. We're so blessed to be able to provide you with insightful messages taken straight from the pages of God's Word. We pray you've been encouraged today by what you've heard. We'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us as we continue to build this ministry. God is using programs like Ring of Truth to share the message of the gospel through a virtual mission field. Now, more than ever, people are being reached through radio and online teachings. We're so glad we could be a part of it, and we're eager to see where God will take us next. Would you join us in seeking God's will for this ministry? We'd also ask that you keep our listeners in your prayers, that they'll be open to how God is speaking to them. We know God listens to the prayers of His people, and we appreciate you partnering with us in this way. Thanks for joining us today. We encourage you to take the things you're learning in this study and apply them in your daily life. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will continue teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Jeremiah, here on Ring of Truth. Rings true.